0: One of the things that you always want to do uh, when reading a passage out of the Bible, uh, whether in the Old Testament or the New Testament, is ask this very simple question. And that question is, what does this passage say about the gospel? What is this uh, this passage telling me about the good news that is found in Jesus Christ? So, you know, the gospel is is simply this. As recorded in 1 John, there's a number of places you could go to. In 1 John 5, 11 to 12, it says it this way. It says, And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. In a similar way, we studied a few weeks ago in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Peter declaring to the people, This is the gospel. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of. Of the Holy Spirit. This is the good news that has come in Christ Jesus, that because of him we can draw near to our Father in heaven. So we ask the same thing about this passage tonight. What does this passage say about the gospel? And tonight we're going to see that there's four things the gospel isn't and four things the gospel is uh, from our passage this evening. So let's go ahead and read. Uh, again, we're going to be in chapter 8, verses 1 to 25 of the book of Acts, and it says this. And Saul approved of his execution, that is that is Stephen. Um, and there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women, committing them to prison. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who had them, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. But there was a man named Simon, who had previously practiced magic in the city, and amazed the people of Samaria, saying, Now, when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and the bond of iniquity. And Simon answered, Pray for me to the Lord, that nothing of what you have said may come upon me. Now when they had testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel to the villages of the Samaritans. Let's pray. God, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for the encouragement that it provides us. We thank you for the things it tells us about who you are and how you love us. Lord, I pray that as we look at this passage, that uh, it would be clear what the gospel isn't and clear what the gospel is. Lord, I pray that we'd be challenged by your Holy Spirit this week to apply this text to our lives. And Lord, we pray that your name would be proclaimed in this place in the preaching of your word. It's in Christ's name. Amen. So as I said, there's four things that the gospel isn't and there's four things that the gospel is that we're going to look at tonight. Um, and I've listed them there on the back of your worship guide. If you want to, if you want to follow along, uh, the first thing that the gospel isn't is the gospel isn't staying. The gospel is moving. We've seen over the past uh, seven chapters of Acts that uh, the gospel isn't about uh, just separating from the world and and being just a, a group to yourself, but rather it's about telling all who are around about the grace and love of Christ Jesus. The the disciples have. Uh, they came to know the Lord. And uh, during Pentecost, we saw that they were given great power to proclaim the name of Christ. And we've seen throughout this uh, text that the apostles will go to great lengths to proclaim the name of Jesus. Peter and John first were arrested for, uh, for doing works in the name of Jesus and proclaiming the resurrection uh, of the Lord. Uh, the resurrection of the dead in in Christ Jesus. We saw that in chapter four. We saw also also that the entire group of the apostles were arrested uh, when they were the, uh, when they were preaching in the name of Jesus after they had been told not to preach in the name of Jesus. And finally, in chapter seven, we saw uh, the story of Stephen as he was doing great miracles and proclaiming the word of God, proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, that that he was stoned to death for declaring this name. Of Jesus and for saying that Jesus was the righteous one. And even more more for saying that he had seen a vision of Jesus standing at the right hand of God in heaven. At that those uh, the leaders of the Jews rushed at him and took him out of the city and stoned him unto death because of what he had said. We see that the the gospel isn't about staying and, and just uh, separating from the world and staying unto yourself, but rather it's about going, about moving. It moves you to compassion and love for those that are around. We see the same thing is happening in our passage tonight. As uh, After Stephen is stoned, uh, they're, they've moved from attempting to remove the leadership of this new community to removing people from house to house, going house to house to remove those who proclaim the name of Jesus. And just to step back, the the church as a whole in Jerusalem has grown to probably around 10,000 people. The last count we had in our text was that there were 5,000 just men alone. So you can probably bank on about at least two times that if you include uh, women and children. And so probably over 10,000 people have come to the Lord in the period of really just a few months at 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 most. And so uh the church is growing greatly. People are they they've been staying in Jerusalem, but they've been moving unto their neighbors and sharing this gospel of Christ Jesus. And so uh what we see is that as this movement grows, we see Stephen is uh is stoned to death and the first thing we see in our passage in in verse 2 is that Stephen's buried and that he's mourned. Um, it's significant that he was mourned because of this fact, and it's probably the reason that uh, they ended up going house to house, uh, arresting and, and putting people in prison for uh, following this, uh, this group. Um, see, it's, it's okay for an individual to be, to be buried after they've been stoned, but it's actually against uh, the Jewish law to mourn that individual. Uh, to lament over him, which is a, a specific amount of time that they go, go maybe 30 to 70 days after the person's death, to lament over someone that has been stoned is to essentially say that you agree with everything they said, that you honor that individual and their beliefs. And so uh, the church did this. And as a result, they, a, a great persecution breaks out uh, against the church. And we see uh, Saul going house to house, dragging off uh, women and men. And committing them uh, to prison so we see that the the gospel is being attacked uh, not just at the leadership level but now at the, uh, the 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 lay level I guess if you you could say that just the uh, the individuals that that have come to the Lord and professing faith in him but the Jewish leaders underestimate the the power and the scope of the kingdom of God and we know from our study of acts that uh, Jesus came and told the disciples a couple things before he left. The first thing uh, is found in Matthew twenty-eight, eighteen to twenty, the Great Commission, he says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you, and behold I'm with you always to the end of the age. And he also said to them, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You see, the leadership, uh, the Jewish leadership thought that if they squelched this movement within Jerusalem, that they would squelch uh, its entire uh, existence, that these individuals surely wouldn't leave Jerusalem to go spread this news that they're, they're committed to. But that's exactly what they did. You'll see in... Uh, In verse 4, Now those who were scattered by this persecution went about preaching the word. See, the word they had received was not that this is just some... uh, uh, part of Judaism, some sect of it, but rather that it is the gospel, the good news for the nations, that it's beyond just Jerusalem, but it's unto the world. And so their motivation in going, well, they, when, they, when they started this persecution, they said, that's fine. We'll go to the next city and the next city and the next city. Wherever you send us, we will end up going and preaching all the way we go. So all these people that are scattered because of this persecution go out, willingly out to preach the word of God wherever they go. So we see to this, the disciples in this passage specifically going uh, from Jerusalem to Samaria, which is the first city listed that, uh, after Jerusalem in, in, when, uh, when Jesus was speaking to them in Acts verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 8. He says, uh, um, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria. So we see that exact thing happening, that the disciples go from Jerusalem to Samaria preaching uh, the word of God. See, moving the gospel in the gospel doesn't just mean leaving. The disciples, again, they were sharing the word of God throughout Jerusalem while they were there. They were moving to their neighbors, and now they're moving geographically to other places proclaiming this good news. The gospel moves us to share Christ's love with people, whether they're near or far. The challenge to us is, uh, what has God called us to do? He's called us to share the love of Christ to those that he's placed around us, and in some cases, he's shared for us to go to other places. For Christy and I, you know, we're originally from Oklahoma. All of our family is there. We moved to Boston, and the Lord called us to preach the Word of God here in Clearwater, Florida. He has moved us geographically uh, to, to be obedient to his call on our lives. And and now, those we move to are those we are around. And the same is true for each and every one of us. Those we interact with, co-workers, friends, family, those are the ones God calls us to go to and share this love of Christ Jesus. The gospel isn't about staying. It's about moving. The second thing that the gospel isn't is a show. The gospel isn't a show. The gospel is life. What we see as we look on in this passage is is the contrast between uh, Simon, the magician, and Philip, the disciple that has gone to Samaria. We see that Philip is uh, going to Samaria and he's preaching the gospel there. Um, This is Interesting, Philip is the second listed individual. You might remember when we were studying Acts chapter 6 that there were seven individuals commissioned to feed the widows that are in the church. They were given an administrative duty to share food with the widows in the church, and so they were going about that. The first one was Stephen, who he's been studying in chapter 7. He gave his life uh, literally for uh, the cause of Christ. And the second one is Philip, who we see here in, the next, in all of chapter 8. We'll look at him this week and next week. Uh, and so one thing that we see about that is that there's been a shift from the apostles simply preaching the word to, uh, to to individuals and leaders beyond the apostles sharing the the gospel and spreading the word of God. So the the call to share the gospel isn't just with leadership, it's with all of us as believers. If we've been changed by the love of Christ, we're called now to share that love with others around us. So we see Philip doing just that as he goes to Samaria. Um. So first we see Simon the magician. We find out a little bit about him in in verses 9 to 11. It says, but there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he himself was something great. Simon thought very highly of himself. He thought that he was something great, and the magic that he did was impressive to people. He was excited about the crowds that he gathered, and in Samaria he was gaining a, a significant following. We see how significant that significant that following is in verse 10 and following, they all paid attention to him from the least to the greatest. So all in Samaria were paying attention to Simon. They held him in high regard. And why is it? It says they, they were saying, this man is the power of God that is called great. And they paid attention to him because for a long time he had amazed them with his magic. He had done a show. He had put on a show for them. He had done magic for them and, and done uh, uh, these amazing acts and works, and they had seen him and called him something great. People were impressed and amazed by Simon, and, and we do that today. We exalt individuals, we are amazed by individuals. Personally, I'm a sports guy, so when I'm watching sports, you know, I see some, uh, you know, alley oop dunk from half court or whatever. Like, I'm amazed by that. I'm impressed by that show. That's so cool that someone has the ability to, like, throw a basketball across the court to another guy who slams it into a little hole. Or, you know, in football, you know, guys that uh, that that uh, just, you know, are just amazing to, to run all the way down the field and then catch the ball in stride with like this one little window, you know, is thrown from some guy like 50 yards behind you and then he runs off and scores a touchdown. Like, that's impressive to me. I'm amazed by that. But the truth is that is just a show and that's what Simon was doing, a similar thing, a similar magic and inter- entertainment. He was putting on a show for them. But when Philip shows up on the scene, things shift, and it's not just a show. People's lives are being changed. People are are no longer just sitting on the sidelines being amazed at what they see, but rather they're being changed by what Philip is preaching. Let's read again verses 5 to 8. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ, Jesus. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs he did for unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who had them and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed so that there was much joy in the city. He goes on to talk to him, talk about him more in verses 12 to 13. But when they believed Philip, as he preached the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized and both, uh, both men and women even Simon was bab- uh, believed and after, uh, and after being baptized, he continued with Philip. We see a contrast between Simon who was putting on a show and Philip who, because of the message that Christ had given to him to proclaim, was transforming lives. People had gone from the sidelines to being a part of this life that Christ offers. They were healed. They were baptized. The city was filled with joy. They weren't placing their uh, affection and amazement and, impress- and, and being impressed by just one individual. Rather, they were experiencing the love of Christ inside themselves. They became a part of what was happening. They were changed by the love of Christ. But what we see is uh, sad as we look at Simon in verse 13. The fact is, Simon is, though he's baptized, he is still. Um, Attached to the things that are being done. He's still amazed by the things rather than what Christ has done in him. It says in verse 13, Even Simon himself believed in what Philip was saying. And after being baptized, he continued with Philip. And seeing the signs and miracles performed, he was amazed. Simon was amazed by these things. And uh, it seems that his focus is still on what is being done rather than how people are being changed. The gospel isn't uh, isn't a hobby or entertainment. The gospel is a changed life through Christ Jesus. The gospel isn't a show. The gospel is life. So first we've seen that the gospel isn't staying, it's moving. And next we saw that the gospel isn't a show, but it's life. Now we see that the gospel isn't for sale. The gospel is priceless. After Philip has preached the gospel unto uh, the believers in Samaria, we see that Peter and John come down uh, to Samaria to see what is happening, see how, how this is going. Um, and Peter and John are sent, and the reason they're sent is significant. Uh, we'll read verse 14 here. Now, when the apostles of Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John. Again, it's significant that the, that the word of God has gone to Samaria because you have to remember all these individuals that have come to the Lord so far are Jews. And their understanding of the Samarians, Samaritans is that the Samaritans are half-breeds and that they've rejected the, the true faith of Judaism. And so there's a, there's a significant racial divide between the, Judea, uh, the Jews and the Samaritans. Okay? And so they don't associate. You might remember the story uh, when Jesus was, um, was preaching throughout Judea. One time they came back through Samaria. And for, to get from uh, Galilee to Jerusalem, you, you, the most direct route is to go straight through Samaria. But most of the Jews went around Samaria to avoid the individuals that they would run into there. They were avoiding a whole geographic land, walking a further distance than they needed to in order to avoid this whole geographic territory. But Jesus and his disciples walked straight through. And we see that Christ, in fact, talks to a Samaritan woman and shares the love of God with her. And she goes and tells her whole village and the disciples are going what are you doing you are interacting with this half race and and they're they're like not uh, not nearly as loved by god as we are that's basically the perception they had they had a distinct separation between their two cultures and so it's significant and, the, and Peter and John are sent to, uh, to testify to what is going on. So they're sent to Samaria to, uh, to validate what is happening there, that the Word of God has come to Samaria. So it's a significant shift in what is going on. And so we see that, that Peter and John come down, and they came down to pray for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for he had, uh, the Holy Spirit had not fallen on any of them yet, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So Peter and John pray for the Samaritans that they would receive the Holy Spirit. Now that is huge. Okay, So the leaders of this new uh, supposedly Judaic sect have come to Samaria and have validated that, yes, you know what? The gospel isn't just for the Jews. It's first for the Jews, but it's also for the Samaritans. What a profound statement for them. They're validating this move of the gospel. They're saying, yes, the gospel is for all people. It is for the Samaritans. And later we'll see that they'll go beyond that, not just the Jews, the Jews and the Samaritans, but all the Gentiles even are sought after. And we are thankful for that as, as Gentiles, um, that the love of God would extend even unto us. And so Peter and John go down and pray that these individuals would receive the Holy Spirit. And sure enough, the Holy Spirit is poured out upon them uh, we don't give a, get a clear description like we do in other places of what that actually looked like for the Samaritans, but we can assume uh, that that looked like them uh, exalting God in worship, uh, looked like them probably speaking in tongues that they hadn't spoken in before. We can, uh, can infer that they were probably prophesying unto one another, that this amazing moment came when the Holy Spirit showed up in uh, the Samaritans. So, what we see when uh, when the holy spirit comes is that Simon is there watching again and what does he do in verse 18 and 19 we see it says now when Simon saw that the holy spirit that the spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles hands he offered them money saying give me this power also so that anyone on whom i lay hands may receive the holy spirit see Simon still thinks it's a show uh, we talked about a little bit on Wednesday at Bible study about the context of why Simon would offer someone money for uh, this type of gift. Uh, you know, again, he was a magician, and apparently, magicians the the way that they would sort of go about their business is that they would they would actually buy uh, you know buy sayings or incantations or uh, or uh, spells or you know whatever you you want to call them. They would actually purchase them from one another. So there was like a market in which you would by magician skills from one another. Someone would teach you how to do something. You'd learn it from them somehow. You'd be apprenticed and, and you'd become a better magician by actually paying for uh, the, the things that you can do as a magician. Okay, and so Simon in his carnal mind is looking at this saying, whoa, like they're placing their hands on those people and now they're praising God and being changed and speaking in these crazy tongues and pro- prophesying unto one another. And this amazing work is happening you know, I want to be able to do that. Like I've been doing this crazy magician stuff, but that is awesome. And so he offers the apostles money for which to do this. He wants to buy the gift of God. We see Peter's clear rebuke in verses 20 to 21. He says, Peter said to him, may your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter for your heart is not right before God.'" Peter says, you can't buy this gift. It's given by the Holy Spirit. You can't, uh, you can't buy the gospel. It's a free gift. And he says to Simon that your heart is not right. The gospel is a gift. It's, um, you know, the, the truth is, we talk about that a lot. That the gospel is a gift, but the, the truth is, it is a gift. It's, it is a gift, but uh, the one thing that, I, that I've been thinking about this week is that you know, the gospel is a gift, but it's not free. It's priceless is what I've come to. Um, it doesn't cost us a dime you you know you don't pay money to receive the gospel. it's free. it's a free gift, but it's more than free it's it's priceless because you do have to give something up, you give your life your your uh, you declare jesus as as your Lord. It doesn't cost you any money, but it does cost your allegiance unto Christ, and so I shifted that from saying you know the gospel is is not for sale, it's free to, the gospel is not for sale, it's priceless. There's nothing for which you could give yourself to that is worth more than the gospel. It is worth all that you could give in your life. Jesus has won lordship on the cross for us, and so we declare our, our, uh, our devotion unto him. We declare that Christ is the authority of our lives, and we give ourselves unto him in worship he has moved us to share His love. He has given us a new life. He has given us grace and, and mercy in, in, in uh, the sacrifice He made for us. He has restored us to God the Father. It's not free, but it is priceless. It's worth all that we are. Simon thought he could just pay for those gifts, that he could, that he could pay God to, to have the ability to distribute the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit is a gift from God poured out on His people. And our relationship with God is, is priceless. We give ourselves unto Jesus for what he's done for us. You can't buy the gospel. It was bought on the cross. It's a priceless gift for the taking. Finally, we see this, that the gospel isn't a system. The gospel is personal. Peter, you know, he first rebukes Simon for trying to pay for uh, the gift of the Holy Spirit. But we see that it goes a little further with him. Peter continues on in verse 22 saying, Repent therefore of this wickedness of yours and pray to the Lord that if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that, you're, that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. Apparently the gall is like this stuff that secretes from your liver. So that's pretty disgusting. But that's what he's telling him. He says, you are the gall of bitterness. You are this secretion from the liver. And you're secreting bitterness. And that's what you are. So, so Peter's rebuke is very strong. But what does he tell him to do? I want you to look at this closely. He says in verse 22, Repent therefore of your wickedness and pray to the Lord if possible for the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. Simon sees what's happening as as a system though cuz we see that that Peter's instruction is to repent and to pray for Simon to repent and to pray but we see in verse 24 what Simon does he says Simon answered pray for me to the lord that nothing of what you have said may come upon me Simon's faith is still in men rather than in god you know, the truth is that uh, the, the glory of what Christ has done for us is that he has removed any barrier for us unto God. He has provided direct acta- access to God the Father through himself. And we see that in, uh, in Hebrews 4, verse 14 and following. It says, It Since then we have the great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Listen to this. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. The instruction to us as individuals is to draw near to the very throne of God for the grace and mercy that we need to receive. Because of Jesus, we can go directly to God the Father. Simon still thinks that he has to go through someone that is holier than him. Remember, Peter's instruction to Simon was, repent, Simon, repent and pray. He's the only one that can do it. Simon is the only one that can repent of his own sin and pray. Simon thought it was a system, but the gospel isn't a system. Your faith, my faith, cannot be placed in another individual to carry it for us. It has to be us being changed by God. It has to be us repenting of our sin. It has to be us praying for the work of the Lord uh, in us. We have direct access to God through Jesus Christ now. The gospel is about you being restored to your maker and no one else can do that for you. The gospel isn't about trusting in the holiness of another individual, but rather trusting in the holiness of Jesus who is bought it on the cross. So we've seen that The gospel isn't about staying. It's about moving. He's moved us to share the love of Christ with those around us. It isn't about a show. It's about a changed life through Christ Jesus. It isn't something for sale. It's priceless. It's the only thing worth giving our lives for. And it's not about a system. It's personal. The gospel is personal. We don't place our faith in the holiness of another person to carry us along. We place our faith in Christ. We pray directly Unto God through Jesus. We repent on our own behalf. Simon ignored those things, but that is what God has called us to a relationship with Himself. That is what was bought on the cross, a relationship with our Maker. The gospel doesn't leave us the same, the gospel transforms us. We've been renewed by the love of Jesus the old ways of thinking of, of serving myself and serving my kingdom and serving the things I want to do pass away. And now we walk in this uh, utter devotion to what God's call on our life is. Remember the stories that we've read over the past few chapters, the apostles preaching and being thrown into prison and then going out and preaching more. And then the whole group of the apostles preaching the name of Jesus after they've been told not to and then arrested again. And then a lay leader in the church going out and preaching and doing great signs and wonders, and then declaring the glory of God unto the people at his execution, saying, Christ is seated at the throne of God, and he was stoned to death for his belief. And now these that are being persecuted in Jerusalem are scattered about sharing the love of Jesus. The gospel doesn't leave us the same, it doesn't leave us the way we are, it changes us, it gives us a new purpose and a new direction in life gives us an eternal hope so that we see things with an eternal mind. The gospel is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Let's let that truth change the way that we live. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the hope we have in Jesus. He's the author and creator of all things. He authority over all places. God, we thank you that you've called each of us to this, this place called Tampa Bay, Lord, and, and to many of us specifically Clearwater. Lord, I pray that throughout this week, we would realize that the gospel is about moving. It's about living. It's about a personal relationship with you. And that it's priceless, that you've bought it at great cost on the cross. Lord, I pray that you continue to apply this word to our hearts this week. Challenge us to grow in our relationship with you, to trust the things that you've called us to do. We thank you for all this in Christ's name. Amen.